Uh, Reading from 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by those to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the words, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes, but rather it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight." For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right, do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gifts of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Thank you, Harriet. Good morning, everyone. My name's Evan. Uh, Good to be with you this morning as we look at God's Word together. We're continuing our series in um, 1 Peter. Um, How about I pray, and then we'll get into it. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, please be with us now as we look at your Word. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear who you are through it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I uh, went to a church a couple of years ago, and uh, one of my friends at that church really made me think about the way that I lived my life. Uh, he decided that he was going to be a vegetarian, uh, for the most part. Uh, he had his reasons. He'd seen a documentary uh, about meat production, and he thought this is a way that he could serve God and serve God's creation. 
And as he was going through the change, we would talk about it at length of why he wanted to make this change. Why did he want to become a vegetarian and eat only vegetables and lentils and the like? Uh, But over time, he started to kind of win me over. Uh, The way that he behaved, the way that he wouldn't bite whenever I'd try and antagonise him about being a vegetarian, Uh, the way he introduced me to a falafel kebab, um, delicious, Uh, but it was the way that he lived that got me questioning whether or not I wanted to change as well. Maybe I should not eat as much meat as what I do. He portrayed what it was to live life differently in a society of meat eaters, Uh, And I think that resonates to me uh, when reading this passage that we're looking at today. Uh, Because uh, my friend lived in a way that influenced others around him. He might not have gotten the rest of the church to become vegetarians, but he he won us over uh, and got us to try different foods by the way he lived. And so Peter, writing this passage some 2,000 years ago, and he's calling Christians to live lives that matter. They are looking, uh, they're to look different to those around them. They are even to point others to Christ while they might suffer for doing the right thing. As we read this next section of, of Peter's letter, we see that the way we live and first century Christians lived was supposed to stand out in such a way that it would cause others to ask questions and think about their own lives as well. And what God wants for them and what God wants for us is to live lives that matter to him. Let's set the scene by thinking about uh, verse 11 and 12. Uh, Peter reveals to us that at the heart of the Christian life is to abstain from sin and to do good. My slides didn't come across. That's okay. We're going to move on. Um, So abstain from sin and do good. It's so important to Peter that he urges them to live good lives for the sake of others knowing God. Uh, It's the heart of a loving God that wants his people to endure all kinds of suffering for the sake of other people knowing him. It's living a good life to show that there's something different about you And that different thing is God. So Peter uses that to set the scene of what it means to live lives for God's sake, for God's purpose, and for God's glory. Um, We're going to look at this section. Uh, It's it's broken up into three different sections. So uh, what does it mean to live in submission to uh, political powers? Uh, What does it mean to live in submission to uh, the workplace and in marriage? And if you've got a handout this morning, there should be um, the... um, a sermon outline there. But let's start by thinking through political powers. And as we look at this passage, I think it's helpful for us to think through what it means to submit. Uh, In our society, um, submission and submitting, I think it has quite a negative connotation. Uh, We think about it in terms of like a country uh, submitting to another country because they've been overpowered and, and forced into submission, uh, or in terms of uh, wrestling or, or MMA or something like that, where someone is overpowered and they're forced to submit. But in Peter's context, uh, he's using it from a first century standpoint. Uh, and so that's important for us to remember that as Peter talks about this to first century Christians uh, in what is modern day Turkey. 
But the way that Peter is using um, submit, uh, you might want to write this down or commit it to memory. Uh, This is what he's saying. It means voluntarily placing yourself in various ordered human relationships. I'm sorry, I did have a slide, but didn't come across. I'll say it again. Voluntarily placing yourself in various ordered human relationships. Uh, so that will help us as we think through this, uh, the, this passage and what it means. So let's pick it up together in verse 13. Uh, verse 13 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. So the ordered human relationship that we're talking about here is uh, political powers, uh, and this is one that uh, each of us will have some experience with as well. Uh, Our experience in um, uh, having a democracy, living in a democracy, is very different to that in first century Turkey at the time. Um, This would have been during uh, the time of Emperor Nero. Um, Show of hands, who knows who Emperor Nero is? Pretty good. I'm very impressed. Well done. Um, Emperor Nero, he would go on to lead crazy persecution against Christians uh, in the Roman Empire. There was a great fire of Rome. You might have heard of it. He blamed Christians for this great fire and ordered the public execution of Christians for for everyone to see. So he really did not like Christians. Um, And this letter is likely to be written just before that fire. So uh, they they would already have been persecuted for for a number of different reasons. Um, And they're about to go through even worse so by their governor uh, and by their emperor. So knowing that they would uh, have been going through hard times and knowing what's about to come with Emperor Nero, God gives them this instruction to suffer uh, by submission. They're going to be called to submit and submit and suffer for doing good. And the, it's about doing good in all circumstance out of respect for those authorities. Those authorities punish those who do wrong, commend those who do right, or so they should. Uh, so imagine being commended by a governor, uh, being commended, being praised, uh, well done, you've done a great job, when everyone else around thinks that Christians are in the wrong. Uh, the rumours and gossips uh, gossips of the time would have been talking about how Christians are up to no good, and that would have been squashed as the governor commends them for their good deeds. So do good deeds, um, and, and you'll be commended for it. And they are to submit uh, not only to the authorities that they have on earth, but submit to God as a slave. And by doing this, you'll silence the ignorant, silence those who don't know God, silence those who are accusing you of wrongdoing uh, because you're doing good, you're doing right, even to a government who doesn't like you. And by knowing Jesus, he also gives this great sense of freedom uh, from the world. Christians, uh, they're pleasing the emperor uh, because the emperor... They're their worldly authorities. They're their earthly authorities. And they do that out of their freedom. But they would use their freedom to please God more than anything. He is the one that um, he wants them to... God is the one who we should be pleasing, but still uh, 
honour the, the worldly authorities. Uh, verse 17 in, in chapter 2 gives us a few mottos to live by, a few little taglines on how best to live in the world as a believer in Jesus. Uh, show proper respect for everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. That is what doing good looks like in the world. This would change over time as Emperor Nero would go absolutely ballistic on Christians all throughout Rome. But Peter is encouraging them, honour the emperor here. Their attitude was to be the same as their saviour, Jesus Christ, uh, who we get this amazing example of a few verses down. Uh, Honouring the political powers is what Christians were called to do in the first century and even today. I think um, COVID lockdowns were as as close to having an emperor uh, that Australia will ever get, that we'll experience in this country. Um, In Sydney, Eliza and I, we were in in lockdown for for six months at one time and then another six months the year later. Uh, People in Melbourne, they seemed to be in their homes for two years. Um, And it was a fine line to try and figure out what it meant to fear God and to honour our politicians. Um, what did it mean to, to be a, a loving Christian, love our politicians while all the while uh, being locked down? Uh, I think the, the definite wrong way of going about it would have been to take your mask off, run around, uh, cough on everyone that you pass, um, go to a press conference and breathe on the politician. That would not have been a way to honour politicians. Uh, And I think most of us honour the government pretty well in our circumstances anyway. But I think it's the little things um, that we could be doing in our world uh, that help us to honour our leaders. Um, Are we praying for our politicians as they lead our country? Uh, Praying for our federal, state and local leaders uh, as they guide us, as they lead us? Do we pray for them that God would use them for his glory. And ultimately, these people are going to have to face the judge who judges justly as well. Are you praying for them before that time? Uh, And maybe doing good before our politicians is is making sure that we're being honest with our taxes as well. It's easy to be generous when we're filling them out, generous to ourselves anyway, Uh, but honouring them might be by uh, doing them correctly, making sure that everything is right. That's what it could look like to honour our politicians, honour our governors, uh, and ultimately to be a God-fearing Christian at the same time. From there, uh, the filter kind of comes in a little bit to thinking about submission in the workplace. Um, Having spent time thinking about the political scale, Peter focuses in on the worker. Pick it up with me in verse 18. Uh, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Uh, I wonder what your mind went to when the word slaves was read out. Uh, I think um, we automatically think of the horrible scenario of slavery in uh, the US and around the world. Uh, Or maybe even back further to uh, Israel being slaves in Egypt. 
Uh, But what the Bible condemns is the permanent and racial slavery that is seen at various points throughout history. The word slavery here is, uh, could also be seen as a servant, um, a servant of a household who's working there full-time um, in, in an estate. And these servants as well, they'd be working towards their freedom or working to be able to pay off, uh, to be able to pay for their freedom in due time. Uh, a helpful parallel to think about it is someone who gets a free university for four years military service at the end of it. That's a a helpful parallel for us to think about it. Um, Peter here says, no matter your master, submit to them and even potentially endure harsh treatment Um, because you'll be looking forward to freedom in time. Uh, They would probably have been mistreated. Uh, There's the potential that they would have had unjust Masters as well, masters who would have had been going through dodgy dealings and things like that. Uh, what he's not saying here is help your masters with their underground gambling ring. Uh, he's saying be a good and hard worker. And if you start suffering because of the misdeeds of your master, that's a good thing, a commendable thing before God. Because the person you're trying to please is not the boss of this earth, but the boss uh, in of our lives, our Heavenly Father, uh, being punished for doing good and doing right is reminiscent of His Son. Uh, And these servants would have been stuck there working towards their freedom. Um, It's not like uh, today, um, Gen Y, people in Gen Y, 1982 to 1984, I read an interesting study that if the trend continues, people in that generation will have 17 different employers and five career changes. So by the time we would have finished our careers, that's what uh, we, would have, we would go through. Um, this is more likely to resonate with someone from a generation or two before Gen Y people, uh, where you are more likely to have the same job for decades and decades to come. Um, one of the guys at, the, at our 8am service was in the same job for 45 years. Uh, he would have gone through multiple different bosses in that time, uh, in that job, but he stayed there, stuck it out until um, his retirement. Um, it's easy for us to move to a different employer these days, but back in the first century, you were stuck in the job you had until your freedom. Uh, and Peter is telling them to submit to that authority as a servant. If you are mindful of God when suffering unjustly, that is a gracious thing before God. It's so countercultural 2,000 years ago to honour your master, uh, to be respectful to them, even though the master could be a completely horrible person. But God says, fulfil your duties and give them full respect. If the slave is deceitful or underhanded, then, then punishments, punishment seems right and fair then. But if the suffering is happening before the eyes of other people for doing right and doing good in the workplace, that's commendable before God. And we're given the greatest example of what submitting to authorities looks like just after this, aren't we? Because we see the example of Christ. Peter gives us the example of what submission looks like. It's living a life that matters to God and it's to look to Jesus as you try to live like Jesus. He lived such a good life among pagans that though they accused him of wrongdoing, 
He had done no wrong. He lived the perfect life. He committed no sin. He didn't retaliate in actions or words. He didn't make threats uh, when he was being treated unjustly. But he entrusted himself to the judge who judges correctly. And by doing these things, he would then take our sins upon himself that we may die to sin and live for righteousness. He submits to his Father's will, knowing that it will lead to his death. He knew that it would lead to his death on the cross. And he did all these things for the sake of other people coming to know him, that they may come into the glory of God. He does it for those who trust in him and they will receive healing and cleansing by Jesus' blood. He is our example of suffering for doing good, for suffering when you're doing no wrong, because he always did good and he embodies verse 12 perfectly. And God will judge justly between those who trust in Jesus and those who do not. That is the example for us to live by in a world that steers away from Jesus at every point, a world that lives like there is no God. We are to trust in the God who judges justly and trust in Jesus who dies for our sin. And the call is to submit to God and potentially suffer too. This is not new to those uh, who knew Jesus' teaching as well. Um, Jesus in, in Matthew 16 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be ready to take up your cross. You've got to be ready to go through suffering because that's what a follower of Jesus may go through. Jesus gives this example of a humble servant. And it means loving the master, even though, uh, loving the, the, the governor, the, the master, even though they might cause pain. And trust your life to the one who judges justly. And it means that you might take punishment for, for doing the right thing and for doing good. But that's a good thing because you're following in Jesus' footsteps. And that might look a, a few different ways uh, in following Jesus' footsteps. By not retaliating, by not making threats, uh, by committing no sin. Um, I had a, a boss in one of my jobs, and uh, let's just say that we, we clashed a fair bit, personality-wise. Um, and there were, there were some times when it would be okay, but most of the time we would often uh, you know, not get on. Uh, but there were times when I could not help myself but retaliate. I couldn't help myself but say something, try and get the last word, try and make sure that I was getting one up on, on, on my boss. If I was really like Jesus in those moments, I would have put aside our differences and worked hard for them. To look like Jesus in the workplace under a boss is to work hard and, and not try to always have the last word. Um, it doesn't mean... Stay there for an eternity if you, if you are suffering unjustly, but uh, submit to them as the authority. And finally, uh, we move on to the next part, um, which I think we're all eager to get to, where Peter tells wives to submit to their husbands in chapter 3. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, 
They may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Uh, These wives that have been referred to in this section are women who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, They once lived pagan lives, uh, but now they know Jesus as their Lord. Uh, So it means that their husbands are not following Jesus, which is why these instructions are are quite specific. These verses uh, reveal the heart of a loving God who smiles when people come to know him, and a God who cares for the lost. Uh, This is a missional command for wives so that their husbands might glorify God. The woman who loves Jesus will have such a drastic change in their lives that their behaviour changes completely. And Peter tells us what this looks like in practice. They don't concentrate on uh, outer adornments of good clothes and fine jewellery, but rather the inside features. The features that God loves are those who have a gentle and quiet spirit. And that beauty never fades. These are amazing qualities that can only come from knowing the God of the universe personally through Jesus. The beauty that a wife should seek, and really all women of Jesus should seek, is that inner beauty. A gentleness and quietness which which come from the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus displays those himself in his non-retaliation as well. These qualities might win over the unbelieving husband. The gentle spirit wins them over. Uh, We get an interesting example of uh, what this might look like as well. Uh, Sarah and Abraham. Um, Sarah is Abraham's wife back in the book of Genesis. Uh, She submits herself to God and she submits herself to uh, her husband Abraham as well. Uh, Let's have a quick little rundown of Sarah's life. Uh, Abraham and Sarah are quite old and don't have any children. Uh, When she is told that she will bear a child at the age of 90-odd, she laughs at God. Um, Laughs, she chuckles, as if I'm going to have a child at 90. Uh, She gives birth to her son Isaac well past her 90s. Um, Her son is chosen by God to establish the Lord's covenant to which he will fulfill But she submits. She submits to God. Even at 90, she will bear a child uh, and submits to God. And she submits to Abraham. Uh, Abraham tries to pass off Sarah as his sister at one point, uh, when uh, a king, a powerful king, wants to see her. So even in the foolishness of Abraham, uh, she still voluntarily comes under his leadership and under his headship. Uh, It ends up proving Abraham wrong, but she wins him over. uh, And she wins over the king as well with a gentle and quiet spirit. And in Genesis 21, we get to see how Sarah is treated by God. This is uh, Genesis 21 verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. So he sets up this covenant Uh, which will uh, be fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ. Uh, She bears a child and the covenant is fulfilled in Christ. The Lord God kept his promises to Sarah, an obedient wife who submitted to God and submitted to Abraham. And she's given the most 
beautiful send-off as she dies in Genesis 23 as well. Sarah did have beautiful outward qualities, but what the Lord loved was her inner spirit. The great worth within all women is a gentle and quiet spirit because that is what God values and sees as great worth. It's not saying don't adorn yourself in nice clothes and jewellery, but beauty comes from within, and that's the beauty that is pleasing to God. And so it says, submit to your husband. Submit to them in a quiet spirit. Uh, It's not saying stay there, uh, stay in that marriage through all kinds of uh, potential abuse or anything like that, but it's it's saying submit to their authority when uh, when they're leading you because they might be won over for God. That's how to live a life that matters to God when having a husband that might not follow him. And then quickly, husbands. Um, Husbands show an elevated and intimate level of care, concern, love, and honor to your wives. That's what it's saying in in verse 7 of chapter 3. God is telling them to treat them with respect because the wife is an heir in God's kingdom. Uh, treat them with respect that an heir should receive. Um, it has eternal consequences, so love them. Uh, scripture all throughout the Bible uh, says, never says to husbands, make your wife submit. It always says, treat them as heirs, love them, and as equals, especially in their regard to salvation. That's what it, especially what it says here. And care for them as they are weaker and they can be more vulnerable as well in different circumstances. So love them, care for them. And by doing all these things, um, the prayers won't be hindered to stop your prayers from becoming hindered. Uh, A couple, a Christian couple, should be praying together. Uh, If their marriage is at odds because disrespect and dishonor, it's so much harder Uh, to work together for each other's salvation, but also to pray together as well. Um, Pray together as as, uh, husbands and wives. Um, That's uh, something that I think we can all learn from. Uh, This all sounds very practical, and it's because of Jesus that we live this way. Because we submit to him, uh, it means that we can now live for him too. Um, And for wives, that means... uh, submitting to to God and submitting to their husbands. Um, At one of my churches, there was a woman who became a Christian uh, while she was married, and her husband was was not following Jesus. Uh, She loved Christ deeply in her heart and followed him in all that she did. Um, However, with her non-believing husband, uh, she had to honour him, love him even though he wasn't coming to to church or knowing Christ. And her submission and her hope that her her husband would eventually know Jesus was just a huge encouragement, uh, very uh, uplifting for those around her because ultimately she was living for Christ Um, and she would uh, come under her husband's authority whenever that um, would come into it as well. Well, what does this mean for us um, in our daily lives? Um, what does it mean to submit in those different areas? What does it mean for us to live lives that look differently and that matter? Uh, well, if you're not following Jesus Christ here today, 
this is what Jesus says uh, if you want to come under his leadership, if you want to come and follow him, if you want to submit to him. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come under the submission. Submit yourself to Jesus Christ because he is a loving, gentle, humble king that we can serve under. Come and find rest for your soul uh, knowing that uh, we can submit to him, follow him in everything. For the rest of us uh, who are following Jesus at the moment, there are those three areas of life in which uh, we can live. And they are made easier if we know where our identity lies. Uh, Politically, socially, romantically, if you know the value of your life, then it will be easier to interact in those different relationships. Uh, If you identify with Christ rather than your job or your marriage, uh, that is going to be so much easier to interact. Uh, By understanding the value placed on your life by Jesus Christ, it will be easier to live under government, within a workplace, within a marriage. I'm not saying it's going to be problem solved, but it will be easier. It's knowing the deep love of God through Christ and the price paid for your sins Uh, that makes it easier to live a life that matters to God and looks differently to the world around us. Uh, These ways that we've read are commendable before God. It brings joy to him as people submit to God and submit to uh, the different authorities that he has installed. So how does it look in our political powers? Well, uh, honouring and respecting our political powers. Pray for them. Pay your taxes. Uh, Try not to run them down when other people might be running them down around you. Uh, In your workplace, it's how you relate to your your boss. Uh, Are you honouring them? Are you submitting to their authority and and rule as well? Um, Or if you are a boss, if you have people working under you, how are you treating your workers? How are you making sure that you're loving and caring for them uh, and being different in that regards too? Uh, It might be by uh, being a bit more generous and gracious with your time and your energy and and loving them well. Uh, For wives and husbands, um, wives submitting to your husbands, husbands loving your wife uh, is such a beautiful thing that we can do. Uh, And Christian marriages can look differently uh, in how we relate to one another. Um, and if you're here and, you, and you're, you don't have a spouse, the way you relate to others is an insight into your life and your values and where you place your identity. Uh, so uh, how you are submitting to, to different authorities, how you are loving those around you, uh, that is what will make you look different uh, in the world around you. Uh, we aim to live lives that matter to God because we matter enough to him that he would send his own son. So uh, let's submit to him in all that we do. Uh, Would you pray with me? Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that he submitted to your will to the point of dying on the cross. And by that, it would let us die to sin and live for righteousness. 
Lord, we thank you for his example of what it means to submit, uh, to not retaliate, make threats, uh, to uh, yeah, submit to you. Lord, we pray that each one of us would submit to you every day. And in our lives, we pray that uh, you would help us to live lives that matter, that look differently in our worlds, uh, that that would bring glory to you uh, as people may uh, come to know you as Lord uh, and trust in your son, Jesus, as their saviour. We pray this in his name. Amen.